Hello, and welcome to the XR Stories podcast, where extended reality and storytelling meet. In this series, you'll meet creative producer John Rose Adams. John will be talking to the creators and innovators behind immersive storytelling projects supported by XR Stories. You're going to hear about all sorts of interactive storytelling genres, from theatre to gaming to virtual reality escape rooms, and so much more. In this episode, Lucy and Yo from Pilot Theatre chat to John about how the archive blends game mechanics and theatre to create a truly unique experience that invites the audience to connect to the story. So I invite you to join us as we explore the dusty shelves, hidden books, and unique collections that make up just a small section of the archive. Yo and Lucy, welcome along. I'd like to start by asking you to introduce yourselves and just introduce your role in relation to the Archive Project. I'm Lucy and I'm creative producer for the Archive and projects producer at Pilot Theatre. So my role in the project is to sort of oversee the full creative process and also um, collaboratively come up with a creative idea for the project and sort of see it through from start to finish artistically. Yeah, so that's my role um, on the Archive. Hi, I'm Yor and I was involved with inventing the Archive as an idea and uh, I'm still working with Lucy on the creative parts and I would say I mainly brought the aspects of game design and game mechanics in theatre as an expertise into the project. Brilliant. Thank you. Welcome both. And Lucy, can you give us a bit of background about Pilot Theatre as well? How the company came about, how it was founded and what Pilot's mission is? Yeah, of course. So Pilot Theatre are an international and national touring theatre company primarily. So the sort of main body of our work are big mid-scale touring theatre productions. But the sort of key, the key part of our work is that all of the work we make is for young audiences and by young audiences at pilot that means sort of secondary school age up to the age of 25 so we often focus on young protagonists adapt stories that that sort of speak to young people's lives we talk about themes that are really current as well as well as adapting historical stories and we've always as a company had a real interest in digital technology and how that intersects with theatre. So going back, I think, to maybe the late 90s or the early 2000s, obviously I wasn't working with the company at that point, but we were one of the first companies to tour with CD-ROMs and computers in the uh, foyers of theatres. So it's always been something that, that the company have kind of integrated into their work. We work with projection. We also run a live streaming part of the company. And recently, since probably 2016, we've been really interested in exploring immersive and interactive technology and storytelling to work with young audiences and to tell the stories that we've been telling on a theatre stage or that might have usually been a smaller scale production of ours, trying to tell them in this more interactive and immersive way and uh, yeah, exploring that as part of our, of, of, as part of our work. Brilliant. Thank you. And I think we'll we'll dig into sort of what technology means for pilot and, and for theatre, I guess, more broadly as well. But first, can you describe the archive to us? So what's the story 
what are you trying to tell and whose stories I guess you're trying to tell as well well maybe I'll start you know, and then you can kind of jump in as well with some of the game elements so story-wise the archive explores two stories of moments of happiness for two teenagers one teenager is called Lubna and the other teenager is called Brandon it does this in a really unusual way so the the archive itself is a kind of secret organization that gathers all of the documentation of your life and by documentation we don't mean the sort of dry documentation of your birth certificate your national insurance number what we mean is the sort of ephemera of your happiest moments or your saddest moments so it could be the sugar packet from the cafe where you broke up with your first boyfriend or girlfriend it could be a childhood doodle on the back of an exercise book that you made with your best friend or it could be the sound of the park where you played when in your childhood and you had a really happy moment. As if they've still got that no ball game sign. Hadn't been here in a while, you see. East Park. I normally try and avoid it, if I'm being honest, but... They put up that sign because of us. No ball games. <laughs> Used to be here for hours and hours when we was kids. Literally every night, bare chest, tossing a rugby ball around like we was in some kind of trance. So they put up a sign. So I get rid of us. Yeah, I always say, but I always used to say, it made our passing real good, that sign. And all them months we spent trying to chop the ball hard enough to put a dent in it. <laughs> idea was that the players are kind of, of trainees for the job uh, of, of being an archivist 2.0 in a way and help digitizing the the dusty folders and dusty crates and um, and the job you are doing now is actually to sort and discover what what those moments of happiness or those those stories are actually um, the the game or the experience as such is a little bit like a de detective story you could say uh, a little bit like a who done it experience uh, in which you you have to discover what the principle of happiness of this certain person is and um, actually maybe give him a little nudge in the right direction so that he re-enters the path to, to well-being or happiness of his his life or in, in, the, in the case of Brandon his life or Lubna her life and at the end of, of the game all those this discoveries you do as, as a player lead to sending an unsent message which I won't spoil at this point, I guess. And now you, as as the digital archivist, in a way, have the opportunity to send this message anyways to help the person discover or rediscover the the joy, in a way, and, and, and happiness and well-being in this life. The visual world that you create is really, you know, it's really incredible. Um, it, so it recalled maybe a little of Terry Gilliam's kind of Brazil kind of world of well-meaning bureaucracy and all of that. 
and also you know sort of it feels a bit steampunky as well so how how did you land on on the look and the feel for for this environment what what was the process well we sort of started with lots of discussions this has been a really highly collaborative process with younger audiences i feel there's this sense that actually technology is everywhere it's so integrated into our lives um it has a very specific aesthetic and you see that sort of pulled through in episodes of Black Mirror on television all the time and um, we wanted to create something that was different and exciting because it's different something that could perhaps recalled the dusty past of technology something retro that kind of Y2K look that um, is actually quite trendy at the moment with young people in fashion uh, someone actually, we did some young people's consultation around the project, and one of the one of the people we worked with actually suggested, when they saw the visuals of the project, that it was like discovering the digital equivalent of Jumanji under the bed, like a kind of exciting, unearthed discovery. So that was part of the aesthetic, and I think that that really does have an appeal for younger audiences. I've actually used it in some of my other projects as well. The idea of retro technology. So that was a big part of it. And also this idea of the paper ephemera of your life somehow becoming really important in the digital age. I think that was also something that we were excited to explore. But, um, yo, you did some really great kind of uh, visual boards for it, didn't you, to, to sort of introduce it, the ideas? Yeah. Um, Terry Gilliam and especially Brazil was a big, big uh, inspiration for me. And um, and I I like this or I generally like this this world Terry Gilliam is creating, where as you you said John this this well-meaning bureaucracy turns sideways in a way and and gets a little bit threatening and and that's why I I tended to to use as an inspiration also the architecture of brutalism maybe you know it it's those are those big buildings like blocky buildings made completely out of concrete and for me the the archive is is a little bit like where 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 you have this these people who are doing something which is actually good and and, and nice and on the other hand there is also this aspect of well i mean they are documenting all of my life and all of everybody's life in a way and and do stuff which brings me to certain points or in certain directions i, I like i like these these two sides and and the and the space in between where you can actually decide whether this is a good thing or a bad thing and of course for us the intention, I, I mean, for me at least, the intention was that the archive as an agency is actually doing something something good. Yeah, and I loved how you, you sort of, so I, I should say I've been very, very pleased to kind of have a little play and the way that the onboarding experience into it, I thought was was really like interesting. I've got a question about it. So I felt as a player, you sort of tempted me in without sort of whacking me around the head with like what, what it exactly was my purposes. So it was like an invitation to be helpful. And I realized that that's obviously, that's a perfect game mechanic for me. And I wondered if that was sort of deliberate, like, or, or actually how hard that is to kind of introduce a game and a set of game mechanics to a player afresh. 
yeah how how did you kind of land on that because it, it at least for me it worked a treat I was like right in there going okay I've got a job to do I'm gonna do it <laughs> that's great well actually we did actually go through a really um sort of strong workshop process also with Ben Kerman who was the academic from the University of York attached to our project as well the the purpose of the sort of the kernel of the idea for the whole project was this idea of mindfulness and well-being and we had a lot of discussions actually didn't we yeah about um the game feeling like you weren't kind of under the pump as soon as you arrived into it. It had to unfurl in a way that built your sense of purpose and sort of gently nudge you into this weird bureaucratic world that but then unfolds into a beautiful visual and audio world. So that was something that was quite important to us, I would say, actually, is that sense that when you play the archive, it's not about stressing people out under pressure to get something done. It's about slowly unfurling, as an archivist would, the story of this character. And I think that that it's great that you say it's like an invitation to participate because I think that really was our intention. Wouldn't you say, you know, that that pretty much was our intention to bring people on board? Absolutely. And especially if you if you uh, think of the mechanics as such, which are pointing and clicking on stuff and looking at it. I mean, I mean the 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 game mechanics are not big and 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 huge and complicated, but but rather rather small and delicate in a way. I mean, that's actually what we do in theater to invite invite you to a place and and uh, be there with us and enjoy what is happening there. And I'm actually quite happy how we managed to to translate that into this digital format because you you when you enter the archive there is a reason to be there and not to just fulfill your tasks so we've talked about the archive or even in these few minutes as both a game we've made reference direct references to theater and obviously pilot is a theater company What, what do you what do you personally call the archive? Does it have a label that, that, that best fits? Is it for you? Is it a game? Is it a piece of theatre? Is it an experience? Is it just a thing? Like, do we have a name for these things? Well, this is a great question, a really good question, because you and I actually had a chat on Monday about the future of the project and how we're going to bring it to audiences. And when I've been trying to cast actors to be in it or find other material for it, I've called it various things depending on the sort of um, section of the of the industry I'm trying to reach in a way. I mean, I think for casting actors, it was called an interactive game or an interactive experience. But I think the experience part really comes into how it's delivered to you. So I don't think there is a term to describe it. I think interactive game or interactive experience sort of sums it up as much as it, as much as it does. But I personally haven't really encountered a project like this from a theatre company in quite the same way. But like I said, I think it's going to evolve depending on how we how we end up sort of displaying it to our audiences. Actually, I think it will it it's going to be an ever changing terminology as we go through that process. It seems silly now, but at the time I cried. 
I stood in the park by the oak tree and just cried. It's not that I thought that I couldn't do it. It's just that people don't think that girls with tummies that roll, thighs that rope and take deeper, longer and louder breaths can do much of any exercise. I didn't do it for others. I did it for myself. I just wanted to feel healthy. My older sister, Fozia, is a gym fanatic. Her and her husband, Hamza, do marathons on weekends while I would read a book or hang out with my cousins. I've always been the fat little sister. The one that aunties would pinch cheeks and say, Oh, look now, you're looking plump, aren't you? As if that counts as a hello. Inside, I'll be thinking, Auntie G, if you touch me one more time, I'll bite those Mr. Kipling Battenberg-looking fingers and dip them into your peppermint tea. The entirety of the project was delivered during a pandemic um, where where all elements of kind of what we were trying to do as individuals were fairly well constrained. So um, where did the project start off in terms of your conception for it and how much did it evolve through its duration? And, and I guess how much of that was affected, you know, was it informed by the pandemic? It was massively informed by the pandemic. It was a real challenge because the initial idea was going to be a beautiful thing, which would have been all to do with human contact and using physical props that had uh, human interaction that lit them up, whether it was like laughter or touch or even using human circuits with Arduino to make things work. And it was going to be a sort of in the room more theatre with a kind of game storyline in a way where you could play a game with a group of people with a with an end result. And it was always based on a sort, sort of science fiction-y story where there was something to be solved, something to be uncovered, but it was very much going to be in physical space. And we were going to do that with several in-person workshops with larger groups of young people and also maybe have a game jam that was involved in the the idea of the process and as soon as the pandemic hit it just became instantly apparent that that just wasn't going to be possible and the in-person element of it that was absolutely going to have to be made in person just wasn't going to work and then we also faced that idea was was how long is this going to happen for I mean we're going to produce this piece is an in-person experience for 30 people how long is that not going to be a viable option for us as a theatre company? And it's so important to get this work out to audiences because it was about well-being and happiness. I mean, we suddenly found ourselves in a situation where that was needed more than ever. So we had to completely pivot. I mean, the the whole pandemic uh, had a huge impact on because we, we had to do all our sessions on, on Zoom. This kind of work is... Well, it's it's different and uh, it costs it costs a lot and it takes a lot in a way and not only time I guess it was incredibly generous actually of the creatives to be able to kind of adapt in this way and I really feel like actually what was a pivot because of the pandemic has become something with an even wider scope and a potential for a bigger audience actually than what we initially planned which which is a huge positive and really exciting we are like pioneers in this in this uh, genre in a, in a way we we can now invent and define a new genre let's let's discover this whole world of digital theater in a way 
and let's I don't know call it jiggity boopity boop and that's that's the format right now um, that's that's something I really like about this whole project and this whole period of theater work in a way we are entering now and of course the pandemic did its part in in this whole process of we actually had to develop new formats i, t I tell you what you know i mean it sort of reset our expectations and we're in there's a, a like a wide angle view now about the, what 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 kinds of things we're up for sort of seeing and and how they're presented to us and yeah our, our computer screens are no longer just a source of work and an email hassle for us it's also hey there's amazing amazing games and experiences and all of that kind of stuff and theater so much theater coming now through our screens which is brilliant i wanted to ask a question around younger audiences so so this project was funded and supported by xr stories as part of a suite of projects focused on younger audiences and obviously you know pi pilots background and raison d'etre is, is is engaging with younger audiences but did this project teach you or did you learn anything new from the younger audiences that have engaged with you on this about this kind of experience as theatre and as part of pilots you know ongoing sort of portfolio of work I suppose a new thing would be that that this felt new to the people that we discussed it with they they felt like this was visually something that they weren't currently seeing that it felt like something to be discovered And we actually did some consultation with someone who works with youth groups in Coventry, actually. And she was just saying that she was really excited by the idea of young people being able to discover a project like this on their own and it feeling really different. It, it feeling like because it's exploratory, there's nothing being fed in a didactic way to you or you're not forced to sit and play this for hours. You can come back to it, noodle around with it take it as far as you want. You could listen to one of the audio and video bits over and over again if it spoke to you. And she said that that felt actually quite meditative and, and unusual for some of the kind of high octane content that kind of goes around, I suppose, at the moment for young audiences. Uh, yeah, that was a really exciting new thing to hear. And yeah, it was really heartening actually after all the work we put in careful thought around the story. Yeah, brilliant. And then, and then I guess that sort of the final bits of evolution, what you're planning, what you can plan for the archive going forward. What sort of ideas have you got at the moment and, and where do you see it going? We have actually just had a discussion on Monday, you and I, so maybe we can talk about this together a bit. We, we both have really, basically the, the concept of this story and this interactive project feels like it has endless scope for extension and expansion. I feel like we've done that thing that people really want to do. Well, I hope we have touch wood. We have built a kind of world that exists as a very strong visual identity. So there's two things, really. This is the first digital project that's not a capture of a play that Pilot will be able to distribute really widely digitally. One of our previous VR projects had to be in a physical space, like a live theatre production, whereas this one has the opportunity to be uh, disseminated all over the world if we want to as a digital download. And that, as a theatre company, is such an exciting prospect. That's the digital distribution. But what I'm super excited about is the idea that you could place an old computer, old looking computer in a broom cupboard in a gallery with loads of paper ephemera and, and filing cabinets in it. 
and invite people to just play it like an installation. I think that's a really exciting prospect for this project. And occasionally maybe we could have like an actor facilitator as an archivist. And what I would really love to happen is that if people played it in person, that they were able to leave something behind for the archive. Maybe they've kept like a business card from a restaurant that they had a great meal at and they want to leave it behind with a memory. And it could become something that actually becomes a paper legacy on top of the digital engagement angle. And that that actually is what truly excites me. And I think, you know, that's what you were talking about as well, is that that's what excites you as well about the project, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, as when, when Lucy... Uh, told me that this could happen to have an an interaction between players via those messages or via those things they leave in the archive for others to discover as a as a real object beside the 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 game man i would love that and that's that's actually a, a quite romantic thought in a way i actually had a similar thing recently where i was really sad on a bus about 10 years ago in London and I wrote a list of things that I wanted in my life and they were really basic at the time it was quite tragic it was stuff like to walk outside three times a day for an hour like you know what I mean like really really simple things because I think I was doing quite a stressful job at the time and I wrote this list and I actually I don't know how I managed it but I got a reminder to my personal email about two months ago with the list from all those years ago <laughs> That I'd written in my iPhone. I don't even still have the same phone from that time. And I don't know how I did it. I'm, I don't know what's happened, but it just appeared. And it must be the archive at work because all the things I wanted in my life then, not, not maybe not all of them, but most of them I've actually managed to do without even thinking about it. And, and that is kind of the premise of the whole thing. I would love it if we could trigger those memories and those thoughts for people and think, oh, actually, no. I'm living my happiest moments now or, you know, or that the good yeah. days are coming and, and uh, that I can draw on all those good memories for, for the future. So, yeah, it was spooky when that happened, actually working on this project. Very spooky. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is brilliant. I'm going to finish off our conversation with a question that's broader than broader than your project, taking in kind of your view of, of theatre and the performing arts, I suppose, widely. What's the most exciting examples, recent examples of immersive and interactive theatre that that you've seen or experienced? I did a brilliant experience with their company called Fanshen. Actually, now they're called Fast Familiar. It was called the Evidence Chamber and it was all on Zoom. Well, not on Zoom. They'd actually built their own platform for it. And you were part of a, ju a jury and it was all based on real research from scientists that work with DNA evidence. Um, and you worked with a group of strangers through this evidence alongside real facts about how, how DNA is truthfully transferred. And at the end, you had to decide whether there was a sort of a, enough reason to convict this person and I felt like it was so interesting because you were able to do it from home yet you felt so invested in the decision at the end and it was really eye-opening because the facts about DNA and its transfer were real and they were from real forensic scientists and it completely opened my eyes from the whole um, TV idea of that DNA convicts the person. I, I couldn't believe actually 
what the truth of the sort of way forensic evidence works is. And I think what a great thing to give you sort of a bit of a, a sort of heart pumping experience through the storytelling that is so grounded on something so real. And, and I've not stopped talking about it since I think I've bored everyone I know to death. <laughs> I think of the piece by Machina X, which is um, a German theater group who are doing theater games. And they had this thing where you were invited into a Telegram chat group and a, f a friend from the group was kind of going slightly crazy and it was all she was missing at one point and you uh, as the player were in this group again with people you don't know and had to figure out what is happening and what has happened to to this girl talking to strangers and having having this I still don't know whether it was an AI or a real person, so a chatbot or a real person um, replying to some stuff. I mean, I'm quite sure at a certain point it was a real person, but who knows? And that yeah. was that was really really different and 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 amazing. Well, those are good examples, both of you. I like those, Lucy and Yo. That was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all that about your amazing project, the archive, um, and we look forward to seeing it in its next incarnation. Thank you, John. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the XR Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and don't forget to rate and review to help more people find us. You can find more information on our projects by heading to our website, xrstories.co.uk, or you can find us on Twitter at xr underscore stories. XR Stories supports research and development in cutting-edge digital technologies in the Yorkshire and Humber region. We have a programme of funding, research collaboration and connection to champion a new future in storytelling. XR Stories is supported and funded by the Arts and Humanities Research Council, the European Regional Development Fund, the University of York, the British Film Institute and Screen Yorkshire.